0: You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit harvestyorkregion.ca. And that guy is every father, right? A <clears throat> little honesty here. All right, get your Bibles out this morning and turn to John chapter 8. Uh, John chapter 8, and uh, while you're doing that, it's time for a little quiz this morning. <clears throat> what is tomorrow? Right, it's Monday. That's right. It's um, it's the day the Jays are going to win the first game in this series, <laughs> and it's Election Day two of those things I'm very confident about and uh, the other one we'll see. But uh, hey, it's election day tomorrow and uh, in just a moment I'm going to tell you who to vote for so that I'll make it easy for you. When you get in the booth you'll know exactly where to put the x uh, based on what I'm about to say. So we just keep it simple for the church. Some people are going, pastor you're meddling now, you're meddling. Hey, it's election day. It's important that we vote Um, Sue and I are going to be away this week for a few days and so uh, we went out and did an early ballot took care of that but um, if you can uh, you need to vote tomorrow and uh, so who to vote for a couple things if you haven't prayed you're not going to make a good choice right there's something we need to pray about Um, but here's who you vote for you vote for the party that will bring God the most glory that's who you vote for That's the grid. That's all that really matters. Everything else is pretty fluffy, actually. And so your own personal preferences or your own thoughts about things, which are interesting, but if they don't line up with what brings God the most glory, and you're like, oh, pastor, I was kind of hoping you were going to tell me which X to put the, no, I'm not going to do that. But I am telling you what's important is what brings God the most glory. And so when you think about how you'll vote and who you'll vote for, make that the grid. That's the grid we should make our whole lives, everything in our lives go through. And so why would, this be any different and then hey church the reality of regardless of what happens on a Monday and now the job is to pray um, pray for those who've got to be no surprises to God tomorrow maybe some surprises to us no surprises to God and uh and we're called as a followers of Jesus Christ to pray for those who are in authority over us so you've got that glad I could help you out with that for tomorrow and um all right, let's dive into the message. The message this week is entitled, Shattering the Darkness. Shattering the Darkness. Uh, this is the uh, second I Am that Jesus uh, lays out for them in the book of John. And um, in our series, Jesus, Who Do You Think You Are? You remember we looked uh, briefly in John 8 towards the end of it last week, and we'll see it again this week, where the Pharisees are like, Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? And last week he said, I am the bread of life. And, and the reason that that was so significant, not only from the context of what was going on and the feeding of the 5,000 that just happened, we'll come back to that, but, but the reality is, the reality is, Jesus was claiming more than just to be a regular guy. And they knew it. And that's why they responded the way that they responded. And this week, he goes on, he makes another claim. In John 8 and verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. I am the only one who can shatter the darkness. That's what Christ is saying. I am the light of the world. I'm the only one. The fear of darkness is called nyctophobia, and we saw a little bit of that in the uh, kids and, and their testimonies about darkness and um, the sense of people hiding in the cupboards and all that stuff, and how many of you still look under your bed before you go to sleep to see if there's anybody there because it's going to be dark, and uh, how many of you still want a nightlight? I still want a nightlight. How many of you still want a nightlight in your room? Why? Because darkness bothers us. bothers us, and in the world, that's true. We're looking for boogeyman around us we're looking in the closet, we're looking under the bed, but hey, the reality is that the spiritual darkness that Christ is addressing is far more significant and far more important than the darkness that you find in your bedroom at night. As a matter of fact, as the Bible talks about darkness, it says that we love it. People in the world, the world in general, loves darkness. In John chapter three, in verse 19, it says, and this is the judgment the light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than light because their works were evil. Their works were evil. So Jesus stands up and he says, I am the light of the world. You have to understand Jesus is becoming more and more unpopular with the, uh, the, the religious leaders of his day. In uh, chapter 7, he sends a group of people out in chapter 7, verse 32, and sent out the officers to arrest him. Um, because of what he's saying. The claims that he's making are rocking their world. And so they send him out, and they come back, and they don't arrest him. And he goes, he says to them, uh, have you been uh, deceived by him? Um, and, And so every time he makes one of these statements, they get all worked up. It just becomes more and more and more and more troubling for them and more trouble to him. But he makes the statements because they are true as he's seeking through the book of John to demonstrate who he is and we're looking at that just through the statements of the I am's and today's is as I am the light of the world that's found in John 8 uh, verse 12 let's stand we want to honor God as we read his word um, I'm going to start in verse 12 read down to the end of verse 20 um, but we're really going to laser in today just on verse 12 here's what it says and Jesus spoke to them again saying I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself and your testimony is not true. And Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. And the amazing blessing it is that we can hold it in our hands and again see this statement that Jesus makes. I am the light of the world. Father, as we uh, examine that statement today as we consider the truth of it, would you give us ears to hear your word, to set aside the busyness of all that's going on in our lives, and and focus, God, to hear your word. God, would you give us understanding of what Christ was claiming, and what he was saying, and, and what we need to do with it, and then, Lord, would you give us hearts that we would take it, receive it, and passionately live it out for the fame of the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray these things. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. What well, it says at the beginning of the verse, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, as um, you take a look through the, the gospel right here, there's a little uh, parenthesis that happens. Um, chapter seven is going on. And then we have this little thing that goes on right before we come to this teaching where um, the incident of the woman caught in adultery. And so it, it interrupted what Jesus was teaching. And so he deals with that as a separate thing. And then it says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, so he's, he's going back. To what he had been talking about uh, before. He resumes what he was teaching. And he resumes his teaching um, in a statement by identifying as God. And Jesus says to them in this statement, he's claiming, I am God. He says, I am the light of the world. Oh. How do you get that? Well, we'll get that in a second. The word I am, that that term appears 240 times in the New Testament. But a number of times when Jesus says it, it causes a huge ruckus. Well, why was that? Why was that so important? Why are the words I am... So significant when lots of the other times it was just describing something that was going on. Um, Somebody was describing who they were and all the rest of it. But when Jesus says it, there's a big blowout that happens. It happened with the bread last week when he said it. And now it happens when he says, I am the light of the world. Well, the answer to that is actually found in the text. Lest you think I just make this stuff up as I go along. And so in John 8, starting in verse 52, follow this as I read it. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets, yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died, and the prophets died? Here's where we get our theme of our series from. Who do you make yourself out to be? Who do you think you are? And Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it, and he was glad. And so the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And now look. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Those words, I am, were critical. They were a clear designation by Jesus Christ that he was claiming to be God. It comes out of one of the places, it comes out of the passage in Exodus chapter 3, 14. It says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am sent me to you. See, they got it. They understood, now they hated it, but they got it. When Jesus was saying, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, he was claiming to be God. He was claiming to be the Messiah. He was claiming to be the Deliverer, but they were in darkness, and they couldn't see it and didn't want to see it. There are numerous evidences of the deity of Christ in the Bible and in the New Testament, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on that today. I would just mention four things to you. Uh, First of all, Jesus had the names of God. Uh, They were ascribed to him. They were given to him, and he accepted them, and he received them. He was given the names of God. He possessed the attributes that belong only to God. We're going to see a passage about that in just a moment. But the attributes that God has that you don't have, uh, he demonstrated some of that um, Last week, as we were looking in the message, we'll come back to that in a second, he possessed the authority of God. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he claims to be, I am, because he had the authority that came from God. Another one, Jesus performs the works of God, that ties into his attributes, but he performed the miracles. He did the things that you can't do. Um, they had just seen at the feeding of the 5,000 this little kid brings his lunch and he's got the uh, five loaves and the two fishes and Jesus takes that and he feeds 5,000 men along with the women and the children he feeds all of them and there's 12 baskets left over now In your house, if a couple of extra people show up for a meal, you kind of spread it and you make it work. You get out some extra bread. You put a little more milk or water in the soup. You just spread it out so you can get to a couple more people. But Jesus got from one kid's lunch to feed over 5,000 people. Why? Because he was God and he did a miracle. Shortly afterwards, he walks across the Sea of Galilee out to the boat and he invites Peter to come with him onto the water. And Peter comes out. Why? Because Jesus was God. He had the attributes. He had the power to do the things that God could do. And then he takes the boat and transports it, as it were, to shore in uh, that last text that we saw last week. Why? Because Jesus had the attributes. He had the power of God. John 1, 1 to 5 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He was the creator. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then as the passage goes on, he talks about John in verses 6 to 9. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not that light, John wasn't, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Jesus Christ says, I am God. I am. I am. I am the light of the world in first john 1 5 it says this is the message that we've heard from him and proclaim to you that god is light and in him is no darkness at all in him is no darkness at all see that's a claim only god can make That's a claim that Jesus Christ made because he was God. You can't make that claim. You can't claim that there's no darkness in you. You know your own heart. You know your own thoughts. You know what you do when nobody's looking. And hey, before you're in Christ, you were in total darkness and the light of Christ is revealed and you trust Christ. But even as followers of Christ, we struggle and we like try to push God in a closet so what we can do what we want. Or, Or we climb into the closet so what we can do what we want. And we wrestle and we grow in this in our sanctification, but there's no way I'm ever saying that there is no darkness. It doesn't control me. It doesn't rule me. Christ is the light of my life in him, in God alone, and in Jesus Christ is no darkness at all. So Jesus is identifying when he says, I am the light. He's identifying as God. But here's the next thing he does in our text Jesus is intervening as God. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. When Jesus says that we need to understand the context in which it comes from. Remember, last week we talked about when we talked about the the bread. He had just done the feeding of the 5000 the day before and and so there was a context. Context, context, context. Always in scripture, be looking for what is the context. So I mentioned to you that the thing about the woman taken in adultery uh, earlier in this passage was a, like a parenthesis but he's going back now and referring to what he had been teaching them when uh, he says again Jesus spoke to them so it goes back to uh, John seven thirty seven. 37 it says on the last day of the feast the great day Jesus stood up and cried if anyone thirst let him come to me and drink why is that important here's why it's important because he had been teaching about the feast of the tabernacles And talking about all the things that had gone on. And in the feast of the tabernacles, as they remember God's deliverance and his leading of them, a big part of the feast of the tabernacles was remembering the pillar of fire. The pillar of fire that led them. And so now Jesus gets up and he goes, that's me. That's me. I am the pillar of fire. I am the light. It wasn't just some flippant statement that was made off to the light. I think I'll introduce a new topic. They were already engaged in his teaching and what he was talking about. And, and part, of that, part of that worship, part of what they did was remembering in the feast of the tabernacles, the flame, the fire. And he goes, that's me. I am that. And that's why they got so wound up, and that's why they were so bothered by it, because he wasn't just claiming to be some new religious leader. He was claiming to be God, and they understood it. He intervenes as God. Notice what he says, though. He says, I am the light of the world. He doesn't say, I am a light to the world, not one of many lights, not come to God this way, or you can come to God this way, or you can come to God this way. No, no, no. He says, I am the light. Uh, later on, as we look at the I am's, we'll see, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. When Jesus is saying that, he's saying, all the other lights, all these other things that you're hearing are wrong. I am the one. I am the only way to God. I am the light. I read John three nineteen. John 3, you know, we usually stop at John three sixteen. And we don't read the next verses. The next verses are as amazing as John three sixteen. But verses 19 and 20 say this. This is judgment. Light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. The world is a dark, dark place and it needs the light. Darkness is the absence of light. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the light that comes to reveal so much in our darkened world. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And Christ says, I am the light. And he, he alone, can shatter the darkness. A definition of light I read this week said, Light is the form of energy that makes it possible to see. Light is the form of energy that makes it possible to see. Jesus Christ is the form of energy that makes it possible for us to see in the midst of the darkness. Of all that's been done and all the evil that's out there, the only way we will understand is if the light, if the light comes and Jesus Christ is saying, I am that light. In Matthew six twenty-two and 23, it says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. So without the light, six things I want you to see. Without the light, we are blind to the condition of the world. That's the first thing. Without light, we are blind to the condition of the world. Every man does that which is right in his own eyes. John three nineteen, as we said, says, Man loves darkness rather than light. Unless the light shines... We're blind to the condition of our world and people just keep on doing what they're doing. The world will go on doing what it's doing, not caring because they're in darkness and they haven't seen the light. First one, the condition of the world. Without the light, here's the second one, you're blind to your own condition. It's not only the world, but individually, without the light shining, we're blind to our own condition, that we're people who hate God. We're not striving after him. We're striving for ends that end when our last breath is over. There's nothing more to it, and it's filled with darkness. It's filled to, I get what I want when I want, and without the light, we're blind to our own personal condition. There's none righteous, not even one. Without the light... We're blind to see the solution of the darkness that separates us from God. Without the light, we just keep on doing what we're doing. Without the light, we can't see the solution to the darkness. We don't even want it. We don't desire it without the light. Here's another one. Without the light, we're blind to the simplicity of the gospel. Without the light, we're blind to the simplicity of the gospel. So we keep on doing and we keep on trying and we keep on hoping that what we bring to the table will be enough to appease God somehow. And uh, we're blind to the simplicity of here's what Jesus Christ did. There was a debt you couldn't pay. The The chasm was too big. It was too much for you. And yet you keep on trying and you keep on doing. And the simplicity of the gospel is Jesus paid the price that you couldn't pay. And he offers you the free gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ. And all you have to do is believe. um, People who don't have the light are blind to the simplicity of what Jesus Christ did. Why? Well, because we're all, well, we hate God. No one strives after God. And our pride gets in the way. And it's like, no, 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 no. I'm enough. I can, I'm my own king. I can make my way to God. I will do it on my own. That's a lie from the pit of hell that leads people to hell for eternity. We're blind to the simplicity of the gospel. Here's another one. We're blind to the reality of restoration. We're blind to the reality of restoration. Not only in salvation because that's where it starts. And there may be some folks in the room today who've never trusted Jesus Christ as their savior. And you're blind to what Jesus Christ can do in restoring you, that you would be called a son or a daughter of God. And you're blind to it. And you're in your darkness. And in your darkness, you're saying, yeah, yeah, but buddy, you don't know you don't know. You don't know how messed up I am. You don't know how evil I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how bad it is. You don't know. No, I don't. But God does. He knows it all. And just like he forgave David, and just like he forgave Noah. Hey, Noah goes out there, he builds an ark, and then he goes through that whole thing, and God delivers them. And shortly after the ark lands, and out they go. He messes up royally, and God restores. God restores him. He's called a man of faith. And others in the Bible, and, and you think, well, my thing is too big. No, your thing's not too big. You're blind, you're blind to what the work of Jesus Christ has done and how it and his work only can restore us to a relationship with God. But uh, how about the follower of Christ who's in the room, the person who's put their trust in Christ and, and you need some restoration today. And you're like, yeah, but you don't know. You don't know what I did you don't know what nobody else knows and that same restoration is available for you don't allow satan to blind you to what god's word promises to you and if you confess your sin he's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse you from all unrighteousness i haven't listed any sins i haven't said what you did i haven't so what's on your heart what's god placed on your heart right now in this room what's god placed there Don't be blind. Jesus Christ has done his work so that you can be restored no matter what. Here's the last thing. Without the light, we're blind to the hope of eternal life. Blind to the hope of eternal life. And all you've got, if you don't have the light, all you've got is what you're living for right now, which is your next paycheck or your next girlfriend or your next whatever it is. That's all you've got. And you're blind to the hope of eternal life that God promises to all who have trusted in him. Without the light, we're blind. But with the light, with the light, here's our four things real quick. With the light, sin is revealed. With the light, sin is revealed in a general sense. God's light shines in the world. But for us as individuals, sin is revealed like a laser, and maybe that's already happened in this message for you. And sin is revealed like a, a laser that points right in on your thing. Um, hey, when I get a sore throat, let me, just, let me just start this by saying, when I get a sore throat, I'm the biggest baby in the whole world, okay? I think men are like that. Women, are probably going like this. Yeah, my husband, oh my goodness. Guy gets a little sniffy and he's like, he's dying on me. And It's like, get over it, buddy. I had a baby. Like, what are you thinking, right? So... So we're babies. So we get that. Okay. But when I have a sore throat, what do I say? I say, Sue, look at my throat. Look at my throat. And so we're running around the house looking for flashlights because we can't find them, at least ones that will work. But she gets a flashlight and she looks down there and she goes, yep, it's red. Right. The light revealed something. I remember one time I used to have real problems with tonsillitis and I, I went to the hospital one time because my tonsils were trying to join each other at the back of my throat and I go into the hospital and the doctor comes in and he goes okay let me take a look what does he do he gets a light and he looked in his whole prognosis was one word he looks in and he goes ew that was it the light showed him everything he needed to see Right. Well, that's what the light of the light of Jesus Christ does when it reveals sin. It reveals the sin that helps us understand we need a Savior, and it reveals the sin that helps us in our walk with God so that we can continue moving forward. That's what it reveals: sin. Um, the light also brings us to a realization that you are in the darkness and that you need the light. The third thing it uh, the light brings protection. It guides us on the path we walk in. It gives us a path to walk to and a way to go. And then with the light, the glory is seen. The glory of your own salvation, the realization what God did for you, so undeserved, unmerited, poured on you by God. And when the light is on, the glory comes. The glory is seen. When the light is on and you have the opportunity to witness to a friend and they trust Christ, the glory is seen. When the light is on and God builds his church and continues to work beyond what you ever could have imagined, his glory is seen. Uh, when the light is on, you walk outside and you, you see the colors of the trees or you take a drive this afternoon and you see the glory of what God has done in his creation because the light reveals that for us. Jesus is intervening as God, I am The light of the world. Well, here's the third thing. Based on the fact that Jesus identifies as God and Jesus intervenes as God, now the last point is we imitate our God. It's our job to imitate our God. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. That word follow me has the idea of accompanies me, imitates me is a disciple of me. That's what Jesus is saying. If, if you are one, you are a follower, you are an imitator, you are a disciple, you're trying to be like I am, whoever follows me. It sounds, as he says it, it sounds like a physical thing, and Jesus says, I'm gonna walk off, and you just follow me but it's so much more than that because it goes beyond just the human walking to what Christ is claiming and what he's claiming from us and desiring from us that we would follow we would follow him it's a spiritual reality not walking in the unfruitful works of darkness that Ephesians 5 walks about talks about but rather walking in the truth that Jesus says in Matthew 16 24 if anyone would come after me Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It it begins with salvation. Salvation comes when we deny ourselves. When we get to that point in our life when it's like, I get it. I finally get it. Jesus did it all. I don't bring anything to the table but my sin. And he takes it, and he um, takes it away. As far as the east is from the west, he washes me whiter than snow. I get it. It, be- it begins when we come to the place of understanding who Christ is, and we put our trust, our faith in Christ alone for our salvation. Not about me. Not about me in Christ. My salvation is about what? Christ and what he did, and what he has done for me. And if you've never trusted Jesus Christ, the answer to the darkness that you find yourself in is not trying harder, it's not working more, it's not trying to please God, it's coming to the place of his gift is everything, and I receive his gift. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, God's word says. You have to believe have you done that? You can do that right where you are right now. No magical, mystical words. It's about understanding who Jesus is, what he did, and what he did accomplished everything for your salvation. That you pray. You receive Christ right now. And you will be, you will be saved. When we have the light... We trust Christ as our savior. Next thing he talks about is how we walk, how we walk or we are to live in the light. Now he says it kind of in the negative. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. So how will they walk? You will walk in light. People who are followers of Christ, their life has changed. You used to walk in darkness. That's all you knew. It's all you cared about, but it's not like that anymore. Now it's time to walk in the light. Some great passages about that. One main one I wanna read. Uh, 1 John 1, 6 and 7, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We're told to walk and to walk in the light. And back to our verse, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So what does it mean to walk? When he says, don't walk in darkness, or we say, walk in the light, like, what is he talking about? What, is, what does that mean? Because it's more than just getting up and going out of church when we're done. It's not just walking like that. There's, there's the whole, what is our faith, and what does it look like, and what does that walk look like in us? It's, it's really, in short, how do we live our lives, that's what our walk is, in Jesus Christ. Three things I want to say to you about that, about the walk. It's really about the process of walking. Here's the first one. The word all indicates progress. It indicates progress. It indicates I'm not where I used to be. Uh, Sue and I are blessed to have five grandchildren. The youngest one is about to walk. And if you started to walk this week, I just haven't heard but he's about to walk, and so at first, he was just laying there on the floor, couldn't do anything, and then he learned how to roll over, and and then he learned how to kind of slither along, and and then he learned how to bum around, and and then he learned how to crawl, and then he learned if I could stand up, the world looks different, so he starts pulling himself up on things, and if he hasn't already, he's going to start taking steps on his own, and he's going to walk, and when he starts to walk, guess what? There's going to be some problems. Mom and dad won't be able to keep up with him anymore, that's one thing, but the problems he's going to have, he's going to fall down a lot, especially at first, is why God designed diapers so children wouldn't get hurt when they fall down (laughs) he's gonna fall down he's gonna crack his head on stuff he's gonna have bruises and he's gonna have to get up and he's gonna have to keep practicing and he'll get better because walking indicates progress it indicates progress so how are you progressing when you think of your spiritual walk How is it different today than it was a month ago? How are you growing? What has God shown you? What has God taught you? Is there anything in the last month? There should be. There should be something in the last week. There should be something in the last day. Maybe you have to go back six months. Maybe you have to, I hope, don't have to go back a year. Because walking in Christ is a picture of progression. Second thing, walking in Christ, it's related to our growth as a person. I talked to a man after the last service who came to uh, pray with me, and he, he just wanted to tell me a little bit of his journey. He, his wife died almost two years ago. And he's just taught, when I talked about progression and I talked about growth, he, he's now at the place where he can see what God has been doing, and he's rejoicing in it. And let me tell you, he misses his wife, and there were lots of tears as we talked. But the reality is he's moving forward. And he was able to tell stories of what God has done and how God has even used the death of his wife and how hard that was to to be a witness to someone even last weekend and he's growing. If you knew who he was, you could tell me about some problems that he still has that I know he still has, but he's growing. He's progressing. He's growing. The third one is taking steps towards maturity, growing up in Christ the things that we used to think were such a big deal, and we now understand with maturity in Christ what those really mean and what's significant and what do we hold on tightly to and what have we learned not to hold on to so much and speaks of maturity. Ephesians 5.8 says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And Then over in Matthew chapter 5, Verses 14 to 16 says this, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in in heaven. A guy came up to me after the service and last night because I quoted that verse and he said, "No, wait a minute. So the verse we're talking about said, Jesus said, I am the light. I am the light. And, and this verse says, you are the light. You are the light of the world. Isn't there a conflict there? So a little bit about the Bible and studying the Bible. You got to put things in context. What was Jesus teaching and what was he saying? And in this one where he says, you are the light of the world. Later on he says, let your light show sign. What's your light? It's the light of Christ in you. But let's go back to the context in the context of our our passage jesus was talking about the tabernacle about god leading and he goes i am that light in in matthew 5 it's the beatitudes and jesus is teaching us how we live and what we do and so he goes through all of those things and right before he talks about how we're the salt and now he talks about how we're light we're the light that shines the life of jesus christ into a world that's what we're called to be Sue and I sat on that mountain where Christ taught that lesson. And while you were sitting there looking across the Sea of Galilee, you could see a city on a hill. It wouldn't have been as big back then. It probably was a little town. But there are lots of them around. And Jesus is saying, if you are in Christ, who you have in Christ can't be hidden. It's on a hill. It's on a hill to be seen. And so we are called to be lights That's what God's called us to, to be imitators of who God is and what he has done. In Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, it talks about that. In 2 Corinthians 5, we're called his ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us, and he is. Because we're called to respond to what God has done in us, him being the light. So we walk or we live in the light. And then we worship in the light, or we worship because of the light. It's not just all about how we walk. Our walk includes our worship and our focus to God and what he has done for us and our rejoicing in him. Why? Because I'm not in the darkness anymore. We're now in the light. So they said to Jesus, who do you think you are? And he said, I am the light of the world the harvest who do you think you are based on the reality that the verse we heard during the worship time every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change James 1 or Colossians 1:12 giving thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light who do we think we are Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, the enemy is crushed under his feet. Sin and death are defeated by his mercy. He has broken our shackles. He has erased our shame. He has destroyed Satan's power in his name. We are healed because of his grace. Who do we think we are? I found an answer to that in 1 Peter 2 verse 9. But you... But you, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's pray. Lord God, this is your word. And we thank you for it. Thank you for the awesome Savior we have, the light of the world. Father, teach us. Teach us how to walk in the abundance of all that you've accomplished for us with a desire to passionately live out for you because all you've done is so amazing. And Father, for the person who's in the room today who's never trusted you, I pray. You would call them out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Do this work, not to us. Do this work for the fame of the name of Jesus Christ the Lord. We pray these things in his name. Amen.